Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Lord, who's like you? There's no one. And we will spend the rest of our lives and all eternity discovering the goodness and the greatness of your love. But we just welcome you this morning. We welcome you to reveal yourself, to reveal your love by the Holy Spirit to us. Because we need it. We need it. I need it. We need more of you in us, through us into this world. So enable us to hear your voice today. And Lord, use my loaves and fishes in any way you see fit to meet the the hearts and minds and lives of everyone present. In Jesus' name, amen. I was about 12 years old and I was at a youth camp It's not a typical youth camp, summer camp, that you might think of like at Camp Harlow or somewhere where you grew up. It was a music camp, of all things. For some reason, I was in a youth group that happened to have a lot of really musical kids, and I had this youth pastor that decided we were going to learn a musical and take it on the road in the fall. (laughs) Mm -hmm, That's what happened. And I was from a musical family, so I loved it. And uh, we spent a week at some small camp in rural South Dakota. I could not tell you the name. And every day, we were working on parts and learning music scores. It was a musical on the life of Jesus. And so we would practice this music in the morning. And if it was hot enough in the afternoon, we might take a swim. But in the evening, we'd work on the music again. And one evening, I think it was the last evening, something different happened. Our youth pastor gathered us around after we got done rehearsing and said, we're going to take communion tonight. I love that we're taking communion today, by the way. The Lord is so good. So we're going to take communion. So we circled up on the floor. The communion elements were in the middle. There was a woman with us who was a counselor and also sort of a music director. She was great. She pulled out her guitar, and she just began to sing a couple of songs as we prepared our hearts for communion. And then something unusual happened for me. The room got really quiet. Not that anyone quit singing or that anyone got quiet. But around me, everything was all of the sudden pushed out of the way and quiet. And as the elements were coming around, and I held in front of me, like I had many times before, the bread and the cup, I was thinking about, must have been just pondering the love and the sacrifice of God. And something unusual happened. I began to weep. Like those kind of tears when they sneak up on you and your eyes burn and you go, what is that? And they just, it just happened. And I just began to cry. It was not a show. It didn't distract anybody else. But I cried and I cried and I cried. And it was like wave after wave of God's love 
was meeting me. I can't put words to that. I can't articulate what that was, but it changed me. It marked me. That night, kids would go back out and play capture the flag or do whatever. I couldn't. I couldn't. I tried. I tried to pull myself together. I went to my bed in my cabin, and I laid on that bed and cried and cried and cried. It was one of the most beautiful, grace-filled encounters with and surprising encounters with the love of God that would mark my life forever going forward. I learned something about God that has always stayed. He wants to be really close to us. And he wants to be closer to me and you than we will ever want to be to him. I had not prepared this spiritual moment, gotten all my things together. I'm 12. I'm learning a Christmas, not even a Christmas musical, a some musical we're going to take on the road, right? But I'm just at this moment of com at communion, and he's close. Through the rest of my life and to this day, that will probably be the one thing I love most about Jesus. He wants to be close. And here we are in Advent. And Advent is that remembering, that understanding, that recollecting that God went to infinite measures to be close to us. He went to infinite measures of sending himself vulnerable, weak, dependent, to us. When Gianna said my topic was going to be love, I was like, oh my word. What an ocean to swim in, right? We're never going to exhaust this topic. We're never going to plummet the depths and the breadths and the widths of God's love. And even for some of us, maybe we've been around the church a little bit, or maybe you haven't, we have a lot of ideas about love. We have a lot of times we use the word love, but a long and slow meditation on the love of God will change us. God wants to be close. There's no limits to his love because he is infinite. So... I believe this morning what I felt from the Lord's heart was an invitation to myself. I have to tell you, I have loved meditating afresh on the love of God and how much more of it I need and how much more there is to access. He has made himself completely accessible to us. And he does want us to experientially and powerfully experience this love we see this banner, when, if you watch sports at all or go to any place where there's a large viewership, we'll see that banner. Someone's got it hanging over the edge, John 3.16. It can be so commonplace. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.
This is perhaps the greatest text in the Bible. It's the whole gospel declared in one sentence. It's the whole gospel declared in one sentence. God so loved. God so loved you. God so loved me that he sent his one and only son into the world that we'd live forever, starting now, that we'd get to taste and live in eternity now. So why did Jesus come? There's many theological reasons, and you can even think of them, I'm sure, yourselves as you're, as you're pondering this. The world's languishing after the fall under sin and darkness. We were a globe longing for redemption, spinning out of control, similar to today. Not much has changed. <laughs> there is need for a savior. There was need who to have someone rescue us from the dominion of darkness and bring us into a kingdom of light. There was one who needed to fix the essential nature that I'm born with. <laughs> Can't fix this. Cannot change ourselves. The nature of mankind was fallen, and we couldn't change it. And all of these are true theological reasons why God came, and there's more. Why he incarnated his very son. Why he displayed what he was like through coming in our flesh and identifying. There's so much to it. But beneath all of these truths is this heart motivation that we can't lose. God loved and this is what propelled him. And this is what compelled him. And this is what was the motivation. Motivation's huge. Lots of things on the outside can look good until you discover somebody's motivation, right? Certain good things can even look wonderful at the end of the day, and they actually could be more manipulative. But the motivation in the heart of God in sending his son was pure, otherworldly love. Oh, what a gift. What a gift. God so loved that he gave. And in his giving, this love actually needs to be received because it's not earned. It is by grace, but it's not without my choice, our choice. It must be received. So... God does love the world, but the world does not receive or benefit from that love until it receives, until it believes in Jesus, the gift that the Father sent. And believing means much more than an intellectual assent. In the Bible, that word for believe means to rely on, to cling to, to trust. That is when we begin to experience the true love of God. John 1, 9 through 12 says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, this is the best. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
Not born by natural order, man or woman, but by born by the Spirit. First John 4 echoes this. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should now be called children of God. And that is what we are. God's love levels the playing field for everyone. This is, we're out of the passage now, I'm speaking. <laughs> we all have the same access to this love. And when I say it levels the playing field, it's the reality that we all come into the world and we all come with a love deficit. And no matter what station I come in, whether I am a child that is abandoned in Romania or a child that comes into a home that is full of chaos and pain, or I come into a home where my parents don't want me, God levels the playing field. And that's his justice. That's the justice of God. He makes it completely accessible. We, we all have access to the same love And the reality is, even when we come into a family that we would just say was great, we all have love deficits because there's nothing like the love of God. This is, this is agape love. This is different love. And so when we have these love deficits in our life, we're going to do stuff to fill them up. We're made, we're made to experience the fullness of God's love. So if I have a deficit, we're, we're going to find a way somehow to make that work. That old, old, you know, country song, looking for love in all the wrong places, it's just reality. That is human nature. When it comes to sin, when it comes to our fears, when it comes to insecurity, these are all driven by the lack of an experiential knowing of the love of God. And we don't lack love because it's not available. It's because perhaps we haven't accessed or received. And I want to just say this. Every one of you is probably in this place has experienced a measure of God's love. That's why we're gathered. We want to be near him. We want to be among the, 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 the brothers and sisters, the family of God. But there's always more. His love continually is changing us. So this love needs to be received and continually received. And when we do, this love will change us. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit sheds abroad the love of God in our heart. I, think, I can think of no other greater force that changes people than love. I used to think I, I've taught a number of years. I had little kids. I had my own kids. I had middle school kids. I was a youth pastor. And I just would think... God just wants to love the naughtiness out of them. It's what he does. It's what he does in me, right? I, I can say it because it's true. The best thing that works junk out of me is his love because only he can point it out in the most beautiful way and say, yeah, that doesn't really work, Patty. It's, it's really ugly, but I love you. You know what I mean? Like, who can do that? Like, you're fully known all the junk, and yet fully loved. That makes you want to change. That makes you want to go, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I was listening 
last week to someone that I know share about their journey with the Lord. And in the midst of this conversation, they were saying, um, this person was saying, when I was a younger man, I had a pornography addiction in my teen years and into my first years of my marriage. It was a, it was a struggle. And he was following Jesus and was actually, you know, he was quite vulnerable in sharing about his journey and the tools that he had in place. I've, you know, I had this mentor and I had accountability people and I'm working the tools and I'm spending time with Jesus. And the question was asked, when did it change? Because he was sharing that he hasn't struggled with pornography for years. That had been like 15 years or something. And he said this. Ultimately, the thing that led to victory is when I actually began to believe that God loved me in the midst of my utter and consistent failure. And that revelation and that experience of his love loosened the grip of sin. It was like I began to feel completely known and completely loved, and the grip of sin was like, it was less tight. The effort to be to overcome became possible. This is the result of being fully known and fully loved. This is what love does. Now, you may not have a pornography struggle, or I may not, but we all can have vices. We all can have habits. We all can have things. And behavior modification will only take us so far, but love will transform us. Love will transform us because it's powerful. It's supernatural. God's love is agape. If we give him room, and I believe that's his invitation to me in this season and to those I'm sharing with today, give him more room. Recognize I need more love. We don't like to be needy, but it's actually the best thing in the world, Lord. I need it, and you have it. I was a teacher at, a, at Willamette Christian School, and just share this really quickly, and uh, there was a time in my middle school class when my Bible teacher next door had just been teaching about love and he'd been teaching about spiritual gifts. And the next hour those kids came into my classroom, I did language and history, but I was always about whatever the Lord was doing. And they came in and they were really stirred up about their Bible class. And so they wanted to talk about it a bit more and they wanted to know about these spiritual gifts and they, and they wanted to know about different things. And there was a gal in the back of the row, back row and at some point in all of the questions and discussions, she just raised her hand and she just said, can I have that? And I just, what are you going to say? Absolutely. And this young woman didn't go to church. She believed in Jesus, but her mom had lupus, single mom, and she was often at home alone taking care of her mom. I don't know how her mom had her in Christian school, honestly. They, economically, it was, it, maybe they were scholarshiped. But she said, can I have that? And I just said, yes. I just had a moment, not even a moment to think. But what we did in that moment is I just said, let's just pray for Caitlin. But it wasn't me. I let the students pray. And we had a love bomb breakout in the room. And kids were crying. Now listen, I want to say something. I'm not about the emotion. I know I just told two stories about crying. 
I'm, I, I'm not saying that's always, that's not the ticket. But what, here's the real fruit. That spilled into the next class and the next class and the lunch period until I called my principal. I said, I think you should know this is going on in my class. She's like, excellent. I hope that's what will happen. But here's the real fruit. Kids were saying to one another, middle school kids, <laughs> will you forgive me for being so mean to you? Will you forgive me for just saying these things? I mean, we're having like genuine repentance and reconciliation. It marked that, that class for the rest of the year and their lives. Love. All right. We are in the third advent focusing on love of God. God so loved the world that he gave. This gift must be received. This gift will change us. It will free us. That's really what God's always doing with his love. He's freeing us, always freeing us up to be more of who we are. And third, God's love will satisfy our deepest longings. It will. When, when, when the angel announced to Mary that she would be pregnant and bear the Savior of the, of the world, and she said, be it unto me. Later in Luke, there's Mary's song of declaration. And one of the lines she says as she's prophesying, singing out the glory of God and what he will do, this Savior who will come. I can't imagine. She probably doesn't even understand half of what she's saying. But she says this line in Luke 1.53, he has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. So the satisfied or the fed from somewhere else, we don't often feed on the love of God, but the hungry. Psalm 63.3 says, because your love is better than life, God, my lips will glorify you. Psalm 103, praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. He redeems our life from the pit and he crowns us with love and compassion. And he, he satisfies your desires with good things that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isaiah 55.1, one of my favorites. Isaiah's prophesying, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Don't you love that wine? The things that aren't necessary for life, but they bring joy to the heart and milk, the things that's, that have to sustain us. It's all free. It's satisfying. Why spend money on what is not bread or your labor on what does not satisfy? And this is my favorite. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. God's love will satisfy our deepest longings. When I was a youth pastor, again, here I am not, I got a lot of camp stories today, but when I was a youth pastor, we had taken a group of kids to camp, and um, we were around the campfire at the end of the day, right? So we're getting ready to do s'mores and everything. We sang a couple songs, and pretty soon some kids started just praying for each other. And I was not, I was not facilitating this time. We were just allowing them to be with each other and the Lord. And that prayer time just took over. 
We never got to the s'mores. And my favorite comment of that night is I had, again, another middle school student sitting next to me, and he goes, well, looks like we got something better than s'mores going on here. <laughs> I just went, Jesus, only you can do that. Only you, and we need you to do that. Because there's nobody that's going to convince this teenager or this middle schooler that your love is better than life, but you will. Nobody can hand that to somebody else. But he wants to do that to us, through us, for us. So I really felt that was the, the invitation for today. That you would know and I would know that we haven't tapped. We haven't tapped it all. There's always more of the love of God to fill us, to release hope in us, and then absolutely to move through us to a world that they can at least begin to get hungry for his love because it's coming out of his people. We're overflowing. We're overflowing. Oh, Jesus, do it in our day, in our time. Let's just pray for a moment. We'll close out. Lord, I so, um, I just thank you for how accessible you have made yourself to us. You have held nothing back. You don't hide from us. And, and we don't have to feel bad about saying we need more of your love. It is your love that sustains us and heals us and frees us and makes all things new. It is the greatest force on the planet, but it's a person. And so Holy Spirit, we just say yes to a greater revelation of your love. And we welcome you. We welcome you to fill us in this Advent season in a whole new way. In Jesus' name, amen.